0: Distance is the real theme, I suppose, even the word for tonight. We measure things in inches and feet, or centimeters and meters. We measure things in football field lengths in just a second, or I'll be there in a minute. We measure distance in light years um, to far distant worlds. We measure our love to the moon and back. Uh, and measuring our love for one another. Depth perception is very important. Another way of talking about distance. It's important to know whether you can turn before that approaching car gets close to your vehicle. It's very, very important. But how do you measure how far you are from God? How do you measure that distance? How do you say, here's where God's at and here's where I am at? Many people watching this might say to me, I'm not where I ought to be, or I am distant from where I used to be. Some are walking with the Lord, but just not as close as they'd like to be. Some of you may have lost sight of the group around Jesus, and, and maybe they're around the, the turn of the path. Some of you may have tripped on the path, you've hurt and some way or another and you're nursing your wounds and maybe you've lost your way entirely or turned around and completely left the reservation. Let's find out what the Bible says about distance. Compare these two groups. In Mark 12, Jesus has been asked questions and a scribe is there talking to him and Jesus asked him a question. The word says, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no man would ask him any more questions. So Jesus told the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now in Acts 17, and a long distance away, Paul is in Athens, Greece. He's on Mars Hill. He's talking to the Athenians about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him. For he is not far from every one of us. So we have not far out of the mouth of Jesus in Mark 12. And we have not far out of the mouth of Paul in Acts 17. We're talking about distance. How far or these folks from God. Think about these two groups. The first man copied the Old Testament as his profession. His job was studying the scriptures and then applying those truths to everyday life. That was the job of a scribe. Matter of fact, you couldn't find someone that was more knowledgeable about the word of God, talking about the Old Testament, in those days. Not to say that scribes recognized Jesus. None of them did at first, and then later some did. Just because you know the Word of God doesn't mean you recognize the Word of God when it's in flesh. This man knew the Bible, his Bible at that time. Now think about the other group. Paul was addressing people that had zero knowledge of the Bible. They never heard of this man, Jesus. They didn't know his name. They laughed at the idea of a miraculous resurrection. And matter of fact, because Paul said that, only a few believed. They generally called Jews atheists in those days because the Jews only believed in one God instead of a multitude of gods. What an amazingly different group. This man knows the word. He knows it, and Jesus asked him and he answers in that. Heart that he gives the direction. And the Lord said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And this group has no idea about the word and think it's funny that someone would rise from the dead. And Paul yet says, God is not far from every one of us. Hmm. Do you see that? Extremely different people, miles and miles and miles away they're told this, essentially the same thing. You are not far from God. In fact, there is one word that covers the distance between you and Jesus, between me and Jesus. There's one word. That word makes only the few steps from the Lord or miles away disappear. Whether you've lost sight of the group, long time ago, or you're close. This one word closes the gap. That word is called repent. That's all it is. Call on him. Turn away from this world. Away from your dependence on yourself. Turn to him with all your heart. The gap, the distance between you and the Lord will disappear. The Bible tells us, Second Timothy, that repentance is a gift. It's a gift. If prayer adventure, God will grant them or give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That's what repentance is. I acknowledge the truth about you and about me. I need you, Lord. It's a change of heart, change of mind. It's more than just a sorrow. It's wanting to turn around. All right, now let's get to our story. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, Talk to us about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We sang about him when we were in Sunday school and little kids. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. The Bible says he was chief of the tax collectors. So he was in charge. He was a, maybe a top dog. Tax collectors were hated in those days because tax collectors were other Jewish men that took money from their own countrymen, their own family, their own friends, And gave it to the hated Roman government. That was bad enough. But if you're a rich tax collector, that meant that you not only took the money that Rome demanded, but you took more. You stole from the poor around you. You stole from those who are hurting around you. Find the list of sinners in the Bible, and the very bottom one is going to be a tax collector. To the lowest of the low. Matter of fact, to his own people... He was a traitor, hated, despised. And verse 7, when Jesus talked about going to Zacchaeus' house for dinner, the Bible says they all murmured. Everybody murmured, not just the religious people, not just the Pharisees. Everybody was upset at that. They couldn't imagine goodness or kindness or generosity being shown to a traitor who served the Roman Empire. Hmm. Now, imagine these things. Zacchaeus judged or assessed several things in this story. One, he wanted to see Jesus. He determined, this is a holy man. Something about this man is worth my time and energy. So that's a determination, an assessment on his part. Two, he figured out the direction Jesus was walking and estimated He's going to be going that way, and ran ahead, the Bible says, and climbed into a tree, a sycamore tree, has low limbs, so he could get high enough to see him as he passed by. Talk about distance. He decided to weigh the cost of embarrassment, of being seen in a tree like that, versus hearing and seeing Jesus and decided he would do it and climb the tree. He made that decision. He received the call of the Lord when Jesus saw him and called him and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I'm going to eat at your house. He received the call, the Bible says, with joy and hurried down. It's excited about it. And then lastly, he showed the results of a repentant heart. We don't know the conversation he and Jesus had. We just know at the end of the dinner, he stood and said, I'm going to give half of my money away to the poor. Wow, talk about a change of life, a change of heart. And anyone I've falsely accused, I'm going to give four times back what I've falsely taken from them. The Bible salvation in this verse nine means deliverance, preservation, safety. What a beautiful thing happened to Zacchaeus. But I want you to remember the word distance and think about that in this story. Verse nine is a curious one to me because Jesus seems to make an unnecessary connection that doesn't belong in the story. Think about verse nine. Let's say Zacchaeus was 30 to 40 years old. Seems reasonable. He was the chief or in place of leadership of the taxing system. They called that tax farming. You made your profits on whatever extra you collected. And he was highly motivated to make the taxes as high as possible. So he's in a place of leadership of the taxing system in that area. And how long can we imagine he'd been robbing his own people of their money? Five years, 10 years, 20 years, we don't know. Jesus doesn't judge his history or the distance of that wicked history by telling him, you're beyond hope. Look at all of you done, you've done, Zacchaeus, for the past 10 years. Jesus instead no he goes back almost 2000 years. Historians say Abraham was born maybe 1996 BC or roughly 2000 years before this point. Jesus goes back and says salvation has come to this house because he's also a child of Abraham. What does it have to do with that, Lord? He's a child of Abraham. Aren't you going to look at his history? His wickedness his thievery his problems no jesus goes way back and says he's got a right to be saved there's a place of restoration because of a man zacchaeus had only heard about this is a family name the name of abraham It's called the father of the faithful that's zacchaeus ancestors and that was a bundle of rights and promises associated with that name wow This is not the first time Jesus did this. In Luke 13, he healed a woman that couldn't stand up. She was bowed over for 18 years. And when they complained about him doing that on the Sabbath day, he said, this woman's a daughter of Abraham, and she had a right to be freed from her bondage. We judge a distance differently than Jesus did about ourselves and about others. He looked beyond the short history of this man his years of wickedness and theft, and instead saw an Abraham character in the lineage. He looked way, way back. How fantastic is that? That's something Zacchaeus could say, I didn't deserve, I didn't do it. I I wasn't faithful with Abraham, I wasn't born. That's two millennials before I was around. Yet he's benefiting from the decisions Abraham made in the same way, in the same way. I can benefit from something that happened 2,000 years ago. I can have the name of Jesus applied to my life in baptism so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see my history. He doesn't see my problems, my sin, my wickedness, things I wish I could undo. Instead, he sees me through the blood. I have a bundle of rights and promises available to me through that name. How fantastic is that? Now, recognize this. Proximity is not the same thing as being close. There are people that rubbed elbows with Jesus, but they weren't the one that touched him. The woman with the issue of blood touched him. There were people that were in the house around Jesus so much that there was not room to receive him. Talk about proximity. They were right there. And the Bible says, and there was power present To heal them, the question might be raised, well, how many of them got healed? At the end of the story, none of them got healed. A man that was distant, way outside, far away, could not get there except by friends, and didn't have faith. The Bible doesn't say any time that he had faith, but they had faith for him, and they got him to Jesus. Just because you're in the proximity doesn't mean you're close. That's important to understand about distance. Now, when I go back to the story, there's still a gap. There's still a missing gap in the story. And it's necessary for us to close this gap for every person that would come to Jesus. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Remember that? He's on the branches. He's high enough to be able to see over the crowd because he was a short little guy and to see Jesus, and to see the people, and to hear the conversation. And when Zacchaeus was there waiting, and Jesus and the group came closer, Jesus stopped and called him down. That's the gap. Like Zacchaeus, we must come down from our high place in the sycamore tree. We have to come down from our high place of pride. That's a distance between us and the Lord. The Bible talks about The high things, we've got to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The gap in the story is the distance between Jesus calling for Zacchaeus to come down and Zacchaeus coming down. Pride will keep you from Jesus every time. Every time. Pride tells you that nobody can tell you what to do. Pride says, You don't need anybody's help. Pride says, if Jesus cares so much about you, he can climb the tree and come up there with you. Wow. I'm no angel, and I believe you're not an angel either. Yet, realize this. Pride can turn an angel into a devil, and it did. What do you think it can do to us? Pride is a powerful Uh, way to keep Jesus at a distance think about the distance the gap pride separates you from the Lord what's the one thing that's stopping people from calling on the Lord stopping me from calling on Jesus what would stop people from kneeling before him from throwing up my hands and saying I need your help you know the answer to that question it's pride now verse 10 is the theme of the whole story of Jesus Christ You want the summation of every gospel, of the whole books, of the whole writing of his entire life, three and a half years and one verse, it's in verse 10. Verse 10 is if you boil it all down and say, I want to know why Jesus was here. What was his purpose? What was his aim? Why was he on the earth? He said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's verse 10. Look what he did not say. He didn't say, I've come to show you how useless you are. He didn't come to show us how hopeless the distance is between his holiness and our wickedness. He didn't come to tell us how wrong we are. To condemn the world, to push us away. He came to seek. That's a searching. More than looking, he came to seek. It's looking until you find. To save you and me, that which is lost. Think of the story of the one lamb. Remember Jesus talked about the ninety and nine. They're all safe. They're all put away in the sheepfold, but the one is still out there, unable to get back, confused, caught, in danger, lost its way, turned around. Something's happened. That's the heart of the shepherd to go out and find the one lost sheep, even though the ninety and nine are here. He doesn't play the percentages and say 99% is pretty good. 99% is still an A. It's more than a passing grade. It's fantastic. But Jesus is not like that. He cares for every one of us. Some of us are concerned that when we say the Lord loves us, we mean he loves everybody, but not you in particular. No, I want you to understand clearly, the Lord loves you in particular. The Lord knows your name. The Lord cares about you. The Lord seeks you. In particular, he loves you and likes you. He hungers for a relationship with you. This message is about him closing the distance between where you are and where he is at. Wow. I've learned in life there's a great difference between looking and searching. I learned it. My children throughout the years have told my wife and I they've lost something of importance. Many times it's lost in the van. It could be money they've gotten from an aunt or an uncle for their birthday or a phone or some toy. And mom will say, have you looked in the van? Yes, I looked. They went out and looked. Jennifer will go back out to the van and she won't just look. She will search. She will terrorize the van. She'll pull and pry and look until she finds it. She'll come back and they'll say, How did you find that? I looked for it. Yeah, but there's a difference between looking and searching. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been to, um, I'm not going to say the name of it, I'll be careful. Have you ever been to a hardware store and asked one of the young workers, can you help me find this? Maybe a bolt or a screw or or some kind of a a tubing or something. And I've had them turn around and look in the store like this. Look around and say, no, I, I'm not sure. I don't see it. I, I can't find it. And then maybe direct you to ask somebody else. That is not searching. That's looking. That's just looking around. Well, it's not within my this area, so I can't find it. Recognize the Lord said, I've only come for this one reason, to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you realize he's a savior for a reason? It's what he does. He saves people. You and I need him. The only difference between the lost and the found is those who are found realize we need him. We need him. And we responded to the call. He calls to every man's heart. Now, I wonder when Zacchaeus realized. I wonder when it clicked in his mind. I wonder when he got this. I wonder if at some point in his life he got it. Because I've read through this chapter a lot of times, but I never realized how it started. You see, the verse 1 of Luke 19 doesn't start with Zacchaeus saying, I wonder where the Lord is at. It doesn't start that way. It doesn't start with Zacchaeus saying, I really need Jesus in my life. It starts with the Lord coming to Jericho. I think that's the Lord seeking for Zacchaeus. I think that says right away, he looked for Zacchaeus, not the other way around. But let's find some other proofs. Hold on a minute. Who called out their name? Did Zacchaeus say, Jesus, I need you? No, he didn't. Instead, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus went to where Zacchaeus is at, under his tree, and called him down and said, I will go to your house. He invited himself over for dinner. Yes, he did. It wasn't the other way around. Understand this. You did not find him because how great you are. Did you think you turned this on tonight to watch this Because maybe you needed the Lord. Are you hunger for the Lord? And those are all good reasons. Are you just wanting to find out what was being said? Did you not realize the Lord is seeking you? There's a powerful move of the Holy Ghost. I feel it right now. Because God is in the seeking and saving business. It's what he does. He'll move heaven and earth to do it. Zacchaeus... You didn't initiate this story, Jericho, and the whole trip there didn't start because of you and your desires. It was Jesus. Jesus called your name. Jesus invited him over for dinner. Jesus is the one that wants to close the distance between you and Him. And right now, I can say it with Paul. I can say it with John. I can say it with all the writers. It wasn't me, Lord, that shows you. Before I knew of you, you died for me. Before I had the chance to say, yes, Lord, I want you in my life, you gave your life for me. Wow. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's review, just a minute. You're not far. You're not far from God. You're not far from God. Though he be not far, Paul said, from every one of us, He is closer than you imagine. It's simply a closing of that gap, a repentance, a turning around. Lord, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. If you say to me, I'm not where I ought to be with the Lord, recognize it's not the Lord that's drifted. It's not the Lord that's walked away. It's not the Lord that got busy with somebody else. It's you've allowed time and distance and the currents of this world to push you away. Change that right now. Close the distance between you and the Lord. You can do that any moment. You can start your day that way, and you should. Paul said, I die daily. There's a repentance every day, he talked about. I hunger for the Lord. I want him in my life. We're in a world of hurt and anger and fear, people are frustrated and don 't know how to fix things we 've gone from one pandemic to a whole nother kind of trouble. People are angry and afraid and wanting things to change and as the church, what is my place? How can I be of a benefit to this world around me if there's a gap between me and the Lord, if there's a distance between me and the Lord, I can close that gap. I can do it right away. Pride will keep me away. Pride will make me not fall on my knees. Pride will make me say, well, if they care, you know, they can pray for me or they can call me. But instead, if I, like Zacchaeus, quickly Embrace Jesus and run to what He's saying to do. Just like that, distance will be closed. I pray the Lord takes these simple words and anoints them to your mind and your spirit. I pray that God takes this message and reminds you: distance. I've got to remember that message. Distance. Whenever it comes out of your mouth, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. Stop yourself and say. I don't have to be that way. I can fix it right now. Lord, I love you, and I pray you forgive me. And when does the Lord forgive you? How much time? How do we measure that? How much does the Lord need a time period for you to prove yourself you're right? Is it a week or month? Is it a couple hours? As soon as you are truly sorry, that's when he truly forgives you. Make up your mind, Lord, With your help, I'm going to walk after you. Cleanse me. Wash me. I'm going to turn this around every way I can. Put my life in your hands. Mm. Pray with me, would you right now? Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I love a clear view of you. I love, Lord, the illumination of the word of God. It lights up my mind and my life and shows me truth, how much you care for me how much, Lord, you seek for me, how you're not okay with me being distant from you. It's not all right or satisfactory for me to be falling back in the pack, back farther and farther and more and more distant. You're calling me to you right now. Help us to respond, Lord. Help us to respond. We don't have to save ourselves. That's why we have a Savior. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, for you anoint us, cover our church body. People are praying and fasting, probably even this day, asking your help, Lord, with our community, with our nation, covering, Lord, our church leaders, our situation, our government leaders. Oh, Lord, you're the great I am, and you care for our souls. You care for our situation. You are not far from every one of us, and I thank you for that. I am believing you for that. Thank you for your hand upon my life and your anointing upon this message. In Jesus' precious name I pray. In Jesus' name.